Good morning. It is a blessing to be with you again. We came up from Peru a little over a month ago, and we're visiting different churches that partner with us in our ministry there. Pastor Jim and the team in First Baptist, you have been with us from the beginning. This year, we celebrated 36 years of ministry in Peru in South America, and you have been with us from the beginning. We want to thank you. We praise God for you. We thank God for you. We want to thank you for partnering with us, for your investment in us, and we, we are very excited to be here, blessed to be here. We come up and visit our partnering churches every three or four years, um, and it is great to worship with you, open the Word, fellowship, share some updates, and it's just a blessing for us to be here again today. Thank you, First Baptist, for investing in our lives, in our family, in our ministry. God is doing wonderful things. He's building His church worldwide, amen? And it, it is an incredible blessing. Came up from Peru a month or so ago, came up from Tawanda, Pennsylvania this morning. That's our home base in our Sunday church. But they can't do it alone. And as I mentioned, sending us out to Peru to do our work uh, with churches like yours that come alongside us and invest in us and partner with us. Su super happy, super excited, very thankful for everything that, that you do for us. There are two pandemics going on now, from my point of view, two pandemics. Uh, there may be more. One is the COVID physical pandemic, and in the hour to follow, the Adult Bible Fellowship Hour, which comes after, we'll be sharing with you how COVID has affected Peru, South America, and giving you an update on our ministry and wonderful things that God is doing there's a second pandemic, a spiritual pandemic, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Father, we thank You for Your hand upon us. Thank You for the church leadership. Thank You for this church. Pray, Father, that You will bless them. I pray that You will expand their borders here locally and around the world. Protect them, encourage them, give fruit to their ministries, their outreaches, uh, small groups, edification. Pray, Father, that you will pick them up, pick this church up, carry it forward, encourage them, protect them, edify them, bless them, expand their borders, use them mightily, give them wonderful fruit near and far. Pray that you'll help us on what we're focusing on this morning. Father, speak to our hearts. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen. They say that uh, everyone has a price. Have you heard that saying, that expression, everyone has a price to do something? Few men have virtue to withstand the highest bidder. Bitter. George Washington, talking about this topic of that we tend to have a price. Do you have a price? Uh, every man has his price to do something that he shouldn't do, she shouldn't do, that wouldn't be correct or whatever, but offer us enough money or offer us something and we'll give in to it. Every man has his price. George Washington said, few men have virtue to withstand the highest bidder. Everyone has a price. The important thing is to find out what it is. Pablo Escobar the famous Colombian drug lord in Medellin, Colombia. And by the way, we have missionaries there today. 
teammates there. Billion-dollar drug industry, Pablo Escobar, and he said, everyone has a price. The important thing is to find out what it is. If we have a price to do something that we shouldn't do, that goes against God's principles, commands, if we have a price, might our enemy know that? The world, friends, what would they have to offer us to get us off the path? I don't know what's more sad, that every man has his price or that it's always so low. It actually came out of the cartoon Calvin and Hobbes. Profound. I don't know what's more sad, and that ties into the other pandemic that we're going to talk about this morning. I don't know what, what's, what's worse, um, that we sell ourselves, that we can be bought, or that the price is remarkably low, what, what the enemy, the world, a friend, someone has to offer us to turn us off the path that we know is right and just before God. His loyalty couldn't be bought at any price, but it could be rented remarkably cheaply. One incident, we give in to that price. Not uh, a pattern, not our custom, doing well walking with the Lord, but we could be rented out quite cheaply for if this comes on our page or this comes on our page or someone offers this one thing and we rented ourselves out remarkably quickly and cheaply. Interesting. Everyone has a price. Uh, Bill is going to help me here for a minute. Is, is that right? Everybody has a price to do something uh, out of the norm or something that we would not normally do. Okay, uh, Bill, I have here a raw egg. How much would I have to offer you to eat this raw egg? Do you have a price? All right. How much? Okay, we'll start with 10. Would you do it for $10? No. No, no. Wouldn't even consider it for $10. Okay. For $20, would you eat this egg? Is that your price? Do you have a price? Would you eat this for $20? No. Okay, not for $20. All right. Uh, 50. Would you do the, eat this for $50? Nope. Not even for 50. Oh, I see you've got more money there. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're ruining my illustration here, Bill. $100. Would you eat this egg for $100? Is that your price? Would you consider it for $100? getting closer. Okay, I'm getting closer. Okay, I'm getting closer. Um, but I'll bet you do it for $1,000. Oh, yeah. Okay, $1,000. Okay, so Bill, Bill has his price. Every man has his price. Bill would do it for $1,000. Okay. No, no, this is just an illustration. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't have one of those bills here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Look at that egg right there. Okay. $1,000 is his price. Uh, somebody would say, I wouldn't do it for a thousand. Yeah, but you would do it for ten thousand dollars. No, no, you'd do it for a hundred thousand dollars. No, no, okay, but I know that you would do it for a million dollars. Yes, you would. Even if you had to return the egg, you would do it for a million dollars, right? Yeah, every month has this price. Do we have our price? Do, do you have a price? A convenience store thief, robbery, robber shot and killed the cashier 
to net less than $100. That, that was his price. He, he was willing to rob and even kill people. He would do it for $100. Hmm. A student says he will pay another student $50 for answers to an upcoming test. $50. High school student, college student, is that your price? Parents were willing to pay $50,000 to a man to filter and better, better their child's portfolio to get them into an elite college. 50000 was was their price to go against solid principles. Solid principles. A person agreed, in some of these detective and crime shows, a person agreed to kill someone else for $5,000. That was their price, kill someone. Hmm. Will we sell ourselves, our honesty, our integrity? Will we leave a right and just path? Will we leave this path? And in the Bible, the Christian walk sometimes is called the path. Will, will we turn our back on, on Christ or on what we know is right and turn our back on the path and turn our back on the bride of Christ, the church, and go back into the world? Will, will we do it? What, what's our price? Is it a relationship? Is it a guy? Is it a girl? Is it sex? That's all it takes to get us to turn our back on God's path and, and just leave the church and just go back into the world and live how we want to? What's our price? Is it a relationship? Is it sex? Is it money? How much money? Is it a job that will take you away from the church or a job where you cannot congregate and worship? God has commanded us to to congregate and fellowship and worship together faithfully. It's a command. But you offer me a job for 200000 and it means I travel every weekend and I can never be here, and I say, yes, that's my price. That's all it took to kind of fade away from the path and, and, and go a different direction and kind of uh, renounce my, my convictions and my commitments. Is it alcohol? Promotion, prestige, what, what is it? What is our price? Whereby we'll kind of turn our back on the path, on the Lord, and, and uh, our commitment to the bride of Christ that we are, and, and just, just go down another road. What's our price? Do we have a price? Let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. So what's the other pandemic? We have the COVID pandemic, right? There's another pandemic that it's occurring. Okay, maybe you can say epidemic, but possibly pandemic. In churches and believers, listen, in believers and churches around the world, uh, we're, we're working in over 70 countries of the world. We hear information from around the world and other Christian organizations, and there's a spiritual pandemic going on around the world, and it's tied into having a price, and that is um, a lack of commitment. Having a price, a lack of commitment, a lack of a solid commitment to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and to His path, His way, and to His bride of the local church. 
Somehow we've fallen into the mentality that the church is like a club, and we go when we want to, and we don't go, we don't have to, and we when we want to, and we don't have to, and we treat the church like the club, and maybe we give our offerings and tithes, great, God bless you, so we're paying our club dues, and so we come and go as we please, and there's no great commitment, we don't need to be here all the time, we treat the church like a club. And on top of that, the people that are here are here to serve me. And so we're not happy with what the pastor did or the song leader did or someone else did because they're like our waiters, our servers in our club. And they're here, and they should be doing things how I think they should be doing. So we complain and we criticize, and we have this thing turned upside down. And on top of it, there's a lack and loss of commitment today to the local church, the bride of Christ. The other mentality is like church is something we do. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to church. What do you do on Sundays? Well, what we do, we, we, we do church. We go to church Sunday morning, and that's all we do regarding any relationship with this community of Christ and the body of Christ, and we do church. Church is not something that we do. Church is what we are, amen? We are the family of God. We're the body of Christ. We are the church. It's not something that we do on Sunday morning. So, if it's a task and we treat the church like the club, there is a pandemic around the world that there is a lack of commitment to Christ and His bride, the church that we are. And we can't find people who are committed, who will commit themselves to this local body, this local community. And this is church after church, state after state, country after country. Everybody wants to treat the church like a club. And we, we go, we attend, we hear, we liked it, we left, and that's all there is in the week or in the month regarding our relationship to this body of Christ, the family of God, this local community of believers that God is by building here in Peru and around the world, and we don't capture it. And there's a pandemic. There's a lack of commitment to Christ's bride, the local church around the world. It's growing. I need Christ. I love Christ. I receive the Christ as my Lord and Savior. Christ, yes. The church, no. Christ, I need. I don't need the church. Christ, I want every day. I want His mercy. I want His grace. I want His power. I want His forgiveness. I want His love. I want His blessings. And the church is something that I do on Sundays, and not even every Sunday. I have a good friend, and so he says to me, you know, let's get together. I say to him, let's get together for lunch or for supper. And he says to me, okay, but is your wife Debbie going to be there? Uh, yeah, she's going to be there. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not going to come then. W what's the problem? Well, I like you, but um, I, I, don't, I don't get along with Debbie. I don't like her so much. It, it, it doesn't connect with Debbie. And uh, yeah, I'm the same, but I married with her. But no, 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 no. No, no, we're Debbie and I. And so, I have a problem with this friend. Me, yes. Debbie, no. Christ, yes. And his bride, no. Don't, don't really need it. Don't need a commitment to it. Something I do. Do it every other Sunday. Do it once in a while. Christ, yes. The church, don't really need it. No. And do we really believe that we're pleasing Christ and honoring Christ? Do we really believe that God accepts this attitude? Do we really believe that we're really fully committed to him if we're not committed to his local bride? Do we really believe that God is happy and pleased with us and is going to pour all of His blessing on us and we're really walking with Him like we should if we say to the church no or we have a minimal commitment to the local church and that's okay with Jesus? I had people say that to us. I'm good with Jesus. 
I read my Bible at home. I'm good with God. I pray at home. I listen to a message online. I'm good every morning. I listen to the Christian radio. Good things, great things do that. I do that so I don't really need the church. This replaces the church. I'm good with God. Not good with God. Not good with Jesus. Jesus is not pleased when we don't love His bride. We aren't committed to His bride. We don't serve His bride. Uh, We don't understand that we're part of His bride. It's not something that we do, and it's not a club. No, we're not good with God. We're not good with Jesus if we don't love His bride and aren't committed to it and to serve it and support it and help it in different ways. Somehow this dichotomy, and it's a pandemic around the world, and trying to share the Word of God that, you know, we need this, and and it ties in with having a price. You know, offer me Sunday morning soccer, and I'm gone. Offer me a special football game, and I'm gone. Offer me a special vacation. Offer me money. Offer me anything, and, and I'm gone. And it goes beyond that, of course, when we're talking about our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're struggling around the world to have believers who are really committed to Christ and His bride, and so many have a price or they rent themselves out quite cheaply and quite frequently. Matthew 26 down to the end days of Jesus' time here on earth. He's with the 12 disciples. And in verse 14, we find a terrible thing. Matthew 26, 14, Judas Iscariot. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot came to the chief priests and said to them, said to them, what did he say to them? What will you? What will you? How much? How much will you give me? And I'm willing to turn my back on Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the prophet from Nazareth, willing to turn my back on him and his path and his truth and his commands and the way. And I'm willing to turn my back on the community of believers, starting with the other apostles and the rest of the believers, the women and the men and the 2005, willing to turn my back on them. Just how much? I'll, I'll do it for a price. Judas had a price. Judas had a price. What was his price here? Someone tell me in the passage here. What was his price? 30 pieces of silver. That wasn't even that much money back then. Remember when he was remorseful and sorry for what he did, but no true repentance, and he returned the money? And what did they buy with that money? What did it buy? An old abandoned field that nobody wanted to bury the people who had no one to bury them. It wasn't even that much money back then, but that was his price. To turn his back on Jesus and his path and the believers, the community of believers. Judas had a price. 30 pieces of silver. And so over in chapter 27, uh, I'm sorry, in cha- verse chapter 26, over in verse 47, uh, Judas came up with uh, all of the, uh, the soldiers and the Jewish leaders, and he says in verse 48, Who, whoever I kiss, he is the one, sees him. And in 49, he immediately went to Jesus and said, greetings, Rabbi, mm, what is Jesus to you? Rabbi, teacher, good man, good prophet, he who died for the world, greetings, rabbi, and he kissed him. And Jesus says, friend, why, why have you come? 
betraying him. Judas was not a true believer. Jesus said so. The Bible said so. He said, I have all of my disciples minus one. He is lost. He's the son of perdition. Think with me. How long did Judas walk with Jesus day and night? About how long? Day and night. About how long? About three, three and a half years. Day and night. How many sermons did Judas hear? Thousands. How many miracles did he witness? Thousands. Messages living, breathing Jesus Christ. The disciples. The message. Messages. Sermons. He identified superficially with Jesus and the apostles. He, he went out in Jesus' name. Two by two, they went out to preach in Jesus' name. He went out in Jesus' name. He superficially identified with him. He spoke words of Jesus. He did all of that, but he was not a true believer, the Bible says. We have people like that in our churches around the world, friends. Uh, in Spanish, we call them simpatizantes people who sympathize with us and like to accompany us, but they've never made a heart commitment to Jesus Christ. They've never received Him, believed in Him, embraced Him. John 1.12 says, as many as received. And that word means to receive, take as your own, embrace as your own. We have people around the world that we love our visitors that come to our churches that we love. And sometimes they're with us for six months. Sometimes they'll come six times a year. They're here for six months, a year, two years. They, they like what we're doing. The, the music is uplifting. The medis- messages are encouraging. It, it fulfills a need in their hearts. They enjoy being with us, our activities. But they've never had a heartful commitment to Jesus Christ and embraced Him as their own personal Savior and Lord. They just accompany us and enjoy it. And before long, they're gone. And the enemy knew what price to offer them to get them uh, focused back on these worldly pleasures and things and get their focus off what they're hearing and experiencing with our churches around the world. And, and they're off the page. And what, what happened to Joe? And what happened to Felipe? And what happened to Ruth? And they're gone they're gone. Um, They were offered a lot of money or got involved in a guy and she ended up pregnant or he impregnated someone and they did this and he fell back into alcohol and he did this and and they're, they're gone. They're gone. There never was a heart commitment. Judas, not a true believer, never a heart commitment. What we see about Judas is that, yes, he, he felt remorse uh, in chapter 27, chapter 27. Judas felt bad afterwards Verse 3, Matthew 27, 3, then Judas, his betrayer, uh-huh, betrayed him, turned his back on him for a price. Seeing that he had been condemned, maybe he didn't think it would go that far, maybe he didn't really think that they would actually kill him, but he still had a price. He wasn't a true follower of Jesus Christ. And he said, I, I have done wrong. He, he, he was remorseful. Verse 3, he was remorseful. Yes, in the original language of the New Testament Greek, there's a word for repentance, where you recognize you're wrong, and you, with all of your heart, 
confess it, repent it, and turn away from that bad path and come back and do what is right and receive the Lord and do what is right. And that's one Greek word. This is another Greek word, and it's well translated in, in, in this translation, remorseful. He felt bad. He was remorseful, but there was no true repentance of, God, forgive me, Christ, I embrace you as my Savior. I now understand you are the true Savior. I embrace you as my Savior, Lord. Forgive me for this betrayal. I can't believe I did it. I did it. I embrace you as my Savior. Please, I will come back to your path. I will be faithful. I will follow you. No, he went out and hung himself. He's not a true believer. Peter had a price temporarily. Uh, not a good way to say it, but he rented himself out temporarily. He had a temporary price and denied Jesus. Uh, fear, fear, uh, persecution, stigma, stigma. We have a lot of believers that won't speak up for, for God around the world. Um, we have no idea what it means in some of the countries speaking up for the Lord and being under the threat of jail or death. We, we have no idea. And even then, many of them will speak up for Christ because they have a full commitment. They're not, they're not ill with the spiritual pandemic of a lack of commitment to Christ and His path and His local body. They don't have it. They're willing to die for it. But a lot of people, they're afraid, the stigma. Uh, Peter, a little bit afraid of what could happen to him and the stigma. No, no, I'm not part of this group. I don't know that man. And then he wept bitterly. He was a true believer, of course. He repented. He returned back to Jesus, asked for forgiveness. He was forgiven, became a great leader. His commitment never wavered from there forward. Wonderful. Wonderful Peter. But Judas was remorseful, but there was no true repentance, no faith commitment, but Peter did. Are you with us this morning that you visit us? We love you. Thank you for coming. I mean, there's nothing better to do than to dedicate a time to God and His people. God loves that, and actually He commands it, and He loves it. He blesses us for it. He touches our heart. Thank you for coming. Maybe you've been coming one time, six months, three years. But have you really ever embraced Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord? Have you ever made that commitment decision to Him? You need to do that. Judas did not do that. We see people all the time that enjoy our activities and services, but they don't do that, and they fade away. This morning, you can talk to one of our leaders and we can help you understand how, how to open your heart and really embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior, Lord, and make that decision, that commitment heart decision this morning. We would plead with you to do that. Judas did not, and he was lost for all eternity. Yeah, because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but through this faith repentance in me. You need to do it. need to do it. Let us help you. Let us help you. I embraced the Lord as my Savior when I was nine. And I pray not to have a price. And I work not to have a price. But we don't trust in the flesh. We have to walk in the Spirit. Demas, uh, let's go to Philemon. Can you find Philemon? If not, just read. Uh, it's near the back of the Bible. Uh, it's right before the book of Revelation. Um, the, uh, I'm sorry, right before the book of Hebrews, right before the book of Hebrews. Philemon, uh, one chapter, and talking about this man called Demas. Demas was a true believer, like Peter. He was a true believer. Um, he was in the ministry. He worked with the Apostle Paul and his team. 
and he was sharing the gospel. He suffered hardship. He suffered persecution. He was faithful. He was committed. He was dedicated. Philemon was written in about the year 60, about the year 60. And verse 23, Philemon, verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus greets you. Paul is in prison, and he's got another guy, Epaphras, with him in prison for not having a price. But it's worth it, brethren. It's worth it to remain faithful and be committed and serve God and serve Him through the local church and serve other people. It's worth it not to have a price. And they went to jail, and they were there. But there were other ones uh, that were not in jail and continued on the ministry. And greetings, greetings to you, verse 24. And who do we have here? Mark and who else? Aristarchus. And who else? Demas and Luke. And he says, my fellow labors, fellow labors. Interesting word, fellow labors. It's, it's sunergi, sunergi in the Greek, which makes you think of what word in English? Synergy, synergy. My, my fellow synergy, my synergy. People committed to the Lord, the path, and the local body of Christ, and to reach others and form other bodies of Christ around the world. And in team, we have synergy. Energy is when one person exerts action, and there's a result from that action. Synergy is when there are multiple people working together, and the results are multiplied exponentially. That's synergy versus energy. He says, my fellow synergens, my fellow synergi, working together what God is doing through us. Amen. Amen. Teamwork is biblical. Partnering is biblical. Networking is biblical. We need to work together for the benefit of this church, benefit of this church. Do you believe that? But are we committed to doing so? Coming alongside the, the leadership team and the leaders and working with them, and how can I pray? How can I pray? And how can I help? And how can I serve? How can I be involved? Rather than just attend every other Sunday, and that really is the summary of my relationship with this family, this spiritual family, this local body. And basically, that's, that's uh, the extent of my relationship to this bride that I'm a part of, to this family that I'm a part of, to this local body of Christ that I'm a part of. Is, is that all there is to our relationship? Let's serve synergy, says my fellow laborers. So, about the year 60, Right? Demas is a believer, he's a servant, he's a minister, he's faithful, suffering hardships, he's preaching, he's teaching, doing a great job, mission trips, building up the church, great job. We don't need to turn there, but over in Colossians, it says the same thing. Demas is with us, he's a fellow worker, laborer, doing a great job, written about the year 60, same time, Paul was in jail. Let's fast forward four or five years. Um, many times, uh, we who minister on the foreign fields, and in the past it was more common, that we would be down there about four years, what we call a four-year term, and then we would come back here for many months and visit our partnering churches and give updates and encourage them like I'm going to do in the second hour. Did you know that Peru was the hardest hit country in the world per capita for COVID serious illness and death? And so let me explain that to you in the second hour and explain how we've done ministry and how God, how God has helped us do ministry. But 
Demas, one term of service. Four years on the field, we come back, report to our churches. Demas won four, four to five year uh, term of missionary service with the Apostle Paul. And then where is he five years later? Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. Who are we talking about this morning? Let me hear it. Demas right now. And it says in verse 10, for Demas has what? Forsaken me. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed and gone back. Demas also had a price, but he was a believer. He was a minister. He had served faithfully for many years, but he had a price. Apostle Paul says that he has forsaken me. Uh, In the original language, forsaken is a super strong word. And actually, it's the term that Jesus used on the cross talking to the Father. Father, why have you forsaken me? Why, Why did the Father temporarily turn His back on the Son and allow Him to suffer and die on the cross? Father, why? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you temporarily turned your back on me and turned a deaf ear to me and allow me to suffer and die on the cross? And the Father said, I had to do that because for God so loved the world. He loves us. And He desperately wants to have an intimate relationship with every one of us. But the way to have an intimate relationship with God the Father is through the Son. And so, He had to allow and have the Son die on the cross for our sins. He was buried and He rose again. And Jesus, risen, now says, I desperately want to have an intimate relationship with you. I want to live in you and dwell in you. I want to be your Savior, your Lord, your pastor of pastors, your shepherd, your guide, your protector, your defender. And one day when it is time, I want to take you to heaven to be with me forever. I want this. But Jesus does not force His way into our lives, but He loves us and He wants that for us. And that is the only way we can have a personal, intimate relationship with God is through the Son, Jesus Christ, and have those black stains of sin. Black stains of sin. Look at it this way. Every time we do something that is against the path of God, the commandment of God, the will of God, it's like a black tar stain. Anybody here know of a detergent that will get tar out of your pants? Anybody here know, know of a detergent, a soap, that will get, will get tar out of our pants, off our clothing? And religiously speaking, we do good works, and we give money, and we repeat memorized prayers, and we go to church services or masses, and we do baptisms and first communions, and we do programs and activities, and we try to be good, and we say, I haven't hurt anybody, I've never killed anybody, I've never stolen from anybody. And with all of these good works and religious activities, we're trying to erase those black tar stains. And there is no human detergent that can get out a black tar stain. There is no good work, good religious act that can erase the black stains of life on our eternal soul. There's nothing. And that is why Jesus came. And that's why the Father turned His back on Him temporarily. And He died for us and rose again. And He said, if you would believe in Me with humility and the faith of a child, embrace Me as your Savior and Lord. I will come into your life and I will save you and forgive you, and I will accompany you. I'll be your shepherd, your guide. I'll be your comfort. 
I'll be your Lord, your King of kings, and one day I will take you to heaven. But you must do it. And Demas, Demas, Demas did that. Demas embraced the Lord. He, 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 he got involved in the ministry. He was very useful to the Apostle Paul. He was, he was a pastor missionary. But then he had a price. And Paul says, I'm in jail. If ever I needed you, it's now. Why have you forsaken me? You've abandoned me in my moment of need. In my moment of need. And it says here in verse 10, he has loved this present world. Loved. That's the word agape. Agape is a, a choice. It's not just an emotion. It wasn't just how Demas had just a little bit of an emotional lapse, which we all do when we sin. We make bad choices and we do things and it's a relationship or we lie or something of money and it was a momentary emotional lapse. God forgive us. And we don't have a full price, but we, we did something. We're going forward. We come back and we go forward. And it says here that he loved agape, which means it's an act of the will. It wasn't just a fleeting, beautiful woman over there, and I'm, I'm leaving the ministry for this beautiful woman, and, and then he comes to his senses, and that, that was the end of it. He, he, he chose. Agape is an act of the will of choosing something, and he chose the here and now over the ministry commitment to Christ in the local body of believers and future reward, and he chose the here and now in this path over this path. Because it says he, he loved, he loved, he chose his path. He had a price. Was it a woman? Was it sex? Was it money? Was it prestige? Was it power? Was it fear of persecution? Was it looking for a comfortable life? And I want to do things for the Lord if I can be comfortable, but don't ask me to sacrifice and don't ask me to fully commit. We, we, we need more, more teachers for the ABF hour or for the nursery. Okay, well, pastor, you know, I'll, I'll fill in once in a while if you really need me, but you know, don't tie me down here. I'll serve at my convenience. Not a full commitment. Demas lost that full commitment to the Lord, his path, and in the ministry and serving the local body. He lost it. Was it prestige or I just, I'm tired and I don't want to sacrifice anymore? And, and the pastor, you know, we, we need people for, for the worship team to. What, what, a, what amazing privilege to have people guide us in our encounter with God, right? I mean, this is a personal encounter with God, with the body, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. This is a, is a personal encounter with God Himself when we meet with Him and He meets with us. Now, do that alone and do it with your family, but do it here. It's a, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. What a privilege, what a responsibility to guide the bride of Christ in worshiping Him, focusing on Him, and having this encounter with Him. And we who teach and preach in all of our ministries… Um, and so, but we, we need help here. We need to help with the nursery. We need help with the youth group. We need help with ministry. Well, pastor, you know, I just, I don't want, I don't feel up to committing myself. I don't feel up to committing myself to this. But, you know, if you really need something, you know, let me know, and I can give some money. I can bring some food. I can help you on the odd chance out. I can accompany you to the local baseball game uh, with the youth in the summer. I can do that. But, have a pandemic around the world, spiritual pandemic. People will receive the Lord, but they're not fully committed to Him, His path, and His family, the church, and to serve in the church. 
As the one saying goes, it's like pulling teeth to get people to commit to a ministry today. And we desperately need you. And we need your help. And we can't do it alone. And Demas did a good job, but Paul was in jail. And he says that Demas loved this present world and he departed me. Departed is a strong word. He departed. He abandoned me. Kind of like the word left in the lurch. Maybe the young people are used to that phrase, in the lurch. You left me in the lurch. I'm in jail. If I ever needed you, it was now. And you departed me and you turned your back. You left me in the lurch. You left me when I needed you most in a moment of need. And that's what he did. And he went back. And what was his price? And we don't know, but he had a price. It was something. And interesting, the word world here is not the word cosmos. It's the word for this present age. Okay, so quickly, here's the contrast. He loved what this present world, this earthly world, all of its goods and pleasures and comforts in this present age. That's, that's the Greek word here. He loved what this present age could offer him and chose that over his commitment to Christ, his path, and the local body. Yeah, this present age has a lot of neat stuff. It has technology. It has sports. It has money. It has trips. It has food. Um, this present age, the things available to us in this present age in time compared to the future, has a lot of neat stuff. Gadgets and pleasures and houses and boats and motorcycles and, and cars and fishing and hunting and uh, hunting seasons coming up and uh, all of these new things. And wow, this present age has a lot of neat gadgets and stuff. And we lose our focus and we get lost. And, and is it relationship? A, a guy in the church, a young person in this church, a young man in this church following faithfully the Lord, committed. And then this, this beautiful girl at school or college or whatever shows interest in him, makes him feel important and handsome and great, and he invites her to church. He comes a couple of times, but then she starts pulling him that way, and before no, he's gone, and maybe they're living together, she's pregnant. What was his price? A girl, a relationship, sex. And a guy does that to a girl. And someone does that to a man. And then we go into the midlife stage, midlife crisis. And there's guys that have been faithful, women who have been faithful to the Lord and to the church, and they're good for 30 years. They turn 50, and they go crazy, and they turn their back, and they have a price. And I want that car, and I want a different type of relationship because my marriage right now isn't exactly what I imagined it would be when we got married, and I want something different and new or fresh. And there's that neighbor paying attention to the wife, and there's this lady paying attention to the guy at work, and we met someone, and, and this looks exciting, and we leave our spouse. We turn our back. We had a price. And it didn't show up until we were 50. Yeah. And obviously, there's people in the ministry that have a price. Women, money, power, authority, pride. Pride pride creeps in. That becomes their, their price. Pride. Leaders get filled with pride. And they just go on their path, and you can't say anything to them. Nobody can say anything to them. And pride and women and money and other things. And it happens. Price. Demas had a price. Did Demas ever repent and come back like Peter did? We don't know. This is the last we hear of Demas in the Bible, so we don't, we don't know. Really neat example right here. Stay with me. Look at verse 6, 2 Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul. Uh, this is what we're looking at. 
This is what we want. This is what we're striving for. The Apostle John never saw that Apostle John had a price. Peter had a momentary lapse, but man, Peter didn't have a price there after or whatever. And and Apostle Paul and suffered and committed to the Lord, and he said, I love the world. I love people. I love people. Um, my My fellow citizens that don't want to embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior, I I would take my eye out and give it to them so that they could see through my lens that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. He's the answer. You have Jesus. You have everything. You You don't have Jesus. You have nothing. I would give my eye out to see them saved. I would die for them, the Apostle Paul said, and he's about ready to. He said, verse 6, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. What, what a contrast. Um, Demas's departure, Lord willing, he repented and came back. Don't know Demas's departure from the path. And Paul says, God has helped me continue faithfully on the path with my commitment to Christ in the local body to the end. And now my departure is not for the world, it's for heaven. Amen? What a contrast. That strikes me. And uh, so he, he, was, he had been sentenced. He's about ready to die. So verse, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the faith. I have kept the faith. That's his legacy. That's on his tombstone. Well, not literally, but that's on his tombstone. That's his legacy. Um, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the fight, faith. And he finishes well. Never had a price. Paul was, was worried about 10 years earlier that he might have a price, in, in, in my perspective. We're not going to turn there, but back in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, written in about 55, so that's about 10 years before what happens here, in about 65 approximately. And Paul says, I'm a little bit worried, and I beat my body down, and I keep control of my mind, my thoughts, my emotions, my sexual desires, my thoughts, everything. I keep that body corralled with the Holy Spirit's power. I put on the new man. And, um, I, and I, I, I keep it down, and I evaluate, and I'm alert, and I got my attendants up all the time, and I alert to temptations and my emotions and my feelings and my thoughts. And, and he said, you know, other people have gone by the wayside. And he said, I fear lest I do the same, and I become a castaway. Uh, that's that's the, the, original new, the original King James Version, castaway. We don't really understand that. It's the Greek word adokimos. It's the idea of being eliminated. It's the idea of being eliminated. Lest, lest I be eliminated from the ministry like what we just saw Demas did. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 10 years earlier, I'm concerned that I don't do something wrong and I go down this path, lest I end up having preached the Word Harold preached the word, and in the end, I'm a castaway. I become eliminated from the ministry because I turned my back on the Lord, His path, and the local body in the ministry. I had a price. And now we come 10 years later at the end of his life, I didn't have a price. By God's grace, by God's power, I didn't have a price. I finished well. So how are we doing? Do we have a price? Do you have a price? Have a price at any stage. A child, an adolescent, a teen, a high schooler, a college, newly married, newly married with children, starting a business, a new job, and 
sorry, sorry, pastor, I'm just, I've, I've got to pull out of the ministries, and I'm not going to be able to come faithfully uh, for a while because, you know, we're newly married, we have kids, I have a new business, new job, not going to be able to come for a while. And that while turns into a year, two years. Bit of a price there, willing to turn our back, our commitment on the Lord, His path, and our commitment to the local body and serving and fellowshipping and worshiping and bit of a price there. Have a new business. Or I'll take a job. We had this in our city of Arequipa. A man was offered a job, but the testimony of the place wasn't good, and he would have had to have worked basically every Sunday. I won't do it. Won't do it. It's double what I'm making now, and that's a lot in a developing country. Won't do it. I love the church. I'm committed to Christ and the bride that I am. I'm committed to being here. I'm committing not just to being here, but to serve, to fellowshipping, to participating. I'm part of this family. We're commanded to do it. I want to do it. I love to do it. The church needs me. I need the church. I won't do it. I won't take that job for double the money. And then we have other people that will. They have a system down there where you can study master's degrees on the weekends, and so we've actually had people come up and say, you know, for the two years that it's going to take me to get this master's degree, um, I won't be coming on Sundays, or maybe occasional Sunday, I won't be coming. Two years. Set aside this relationship, basically, with Christ's body for two years. Is there other ways to get master's degree? Yeah, but it takes longer and so on and so forth. And this is the fast track. So, Pastor, just want to let you know this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then other people who have left the church, I couldn't tell you how many people have left the church. Pride. They think they know it all. They think they know better than the pastors and the leaders, and they try to tell us what to do and how to do it and how to control us. Um, the, the position of deacons is a position of serving. They're supposed to be the right-hand man of the pastor and serve us and the church how we need them to serve. They're not an authoritative body that controls the church and controls the pastors, but this false concept has gone around the world, and so we're going to try to control the pastors and leaders and tell them what to do and tell everybody what to do, and we won't do it how they want it, so they're full of pride. They get angry, and they leave, and other people do. And it's been for a woman, for a man, for relationship, for money, for job, for prestige, for drugs, for alcohol, for whatever you name it, we've lost people to that price. Do you have a price? Do I have a price? And will the price show up when you're 18? Will it show up when you're 32? Will it show up in the different stages of your life when you're 45? Will it show up in middle, mid-age crisis when you're 55? Will it show up when we're retired? And I actually had someone get mad at me one time when I talked about this. And, um, you know, I worked hard all of my life, and when I get to my retire age, this is my time. This is my time. And I was encouraging them that through all of our life and even our retired age, now when we're retired, we have more time to dedicate to helping the local body of Christ than we've ever had all of our career. Amen? See what I'm saying? We have more time now in our retirement age than we had all of our working career to pray, to pray, to do stuff online, to help, to encourage, more time. And this person said to me, I've worked hard all my life, my retirement stage, this is now my time. Well, that's dangerous because none of our times are my time, right? It's all the Lord's time. 
And so could it be possible that we were a deacon, we were a leader or something in this church, and in our retirement age, pastor, I'm gone. Um, we're traveling six months of the year, nine months of the year. We're traveling. We're visiting the grandkids. Great, visit them. We're traveling. Great, travel. But pastor, can't, can't count on me. I may be here one Sunday a month. Maybe here, you know, a couple times. And, uh, you know, this is my time, and this is what we're doing. And the pastor's like, oh, man, I knew your retirement was coming up. And I was just going to ask you to come alongside of us in a special way, because now you have more time than ever. I was going to ask you to be a special prayer warrior for me and help me with this and help me with the other. And no, it's my time. Oh, we could actually have a bit of a price in our retirement age. Just kind of turn our back a little bit on the church. And now this is, this is my time. Do all those things in your retirement age, but don't turn your back. Don't let your commitment wane to Christ and His local body. And we know that sometimes you'll be going visiting the grandchildren. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we meditate on these words and these examples. We do not want to have a price. We desperately do not want to have a price. But Father, we have from A to Z here. We have people who have not embraced you as their Lord and Savior yet. And please do that this morning. Talk to us. Please do that. Ask the Lord into your heart. Embrace Him as your Lord and Savior this morning by faith. And we have people who are semi-committed, people who are committed to Christ, but not so much the church. And we have people who are committed to the church Sunday morning attenders only. And we have people who were committed and they're no longer committed, and we see people who have prices and different prices, and what's their price? And Father, forgive us. Help us to reaffirm our commitment to You this morning. We need to reaffirm our commitment to You as Lord and Savior to You and Your church, the bride. Father, in our hearts, and as we, as we conclude this morning, when anybody raise their hand and say, I am willing to reaffirm with you, Steve, my commitment to the Lord and His bride this morning. Anybody out there? Raise your hand this morning in my heart. Yes, I see one. Anybody else? This morning, I'm willing to reaffirm my commitment to Christ and His bride, the local church. Anybody else? Yes? I do that, brethren. That's a good thing to do. Every once in a while, I'll say to the Lord something like this, and I say it with my heart. Jesus, I'm a sinner, a filthy sinner. I can do nothing, but you have saved me. I've embraced you as my Savior with repentance and faith as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. You are everything to me. The world out there is calling. My flesh is calling. The devil is calling. Friends are calling. And in my heart, I reaffirm my commitment to you and your path, your word, and your church. And I beg of you, help me not to have a price. I determined, Daniel 1a, I purpose in my heart not to have a price. But I plead with you to help me walk in the Spirit, and that that will be true to the end, and that I will not have a price, and that I can finish well. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you. Commitment, commitment, no price.